All right. Welcome in to another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy. I am excited to be here today with you. We're going to jump into another uh, another installment of something we're calling small group talks. Uh, those are um, mostly weekly conversations that are going on between myself and Adam Robinson, the staff pastor at our Manor House Mill Plain campus, and Roisin Welsh, the staff pastor over at our Manor House 217 campus. And uh, this particular conversation, we are talking about developing a culture of accountability in small groups. We've always say that one of the main purposes of small groups is to help uh, to help people identify and take their next step in their walk with Jesus. And how many know that takes some accountability? There's so many times in my life I've set out to accomplish something and then have faltered and fallen short, um, mostly because I kept all of my goals and and endeavors to myself. Uh, the times where I have been the most successful are the times that I have chosen to share with other people the journey. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in and listen to this conversation. I hope you find it beneficial, and I will pick you up on the other side. Thank you so much for being here today, and here we go. Here we are, live on Facebook. Man, uh, small group talks. And uh, today we get the great opportunity hanging out with my good friends, uh, Roisin Welsh. Hello there. How are you today? I'm well, thanks, Rick. How are you? Doing good. And Adam Robinson, my man, what's going on? Oh, doing so good. So glad to be doing good. <laughs> <laughs> you just had a recent bout with the COVID, so we're happy to have you uh, on the other side of that valley. So good yes. to have you back. Thank um, you. So yeah, today we get to talk about accountability uh, in small groups, building a culture of accountability in small groups. I think that's going to be a really great conversation. Um, and so, but uh, why don't why don't you share a high and a low from this last week? Something like the best thing that happened in the the, the low, the struggle, the thing that was the hardest for you. Well, um, I'll jump in. So yeah, I was quarantined for 10 days. So that was a, uh, I got a lot of stuff done, but it was pretty miserable being locked into uh, a room for a good portion of the time. We, our kids did not get sick, fortunately, but that complicated things trying to continually keep them from getting exposed from us. So um, yeah, that was our low, uh, but praise God, we have such an amazing uh, church family. Our group actually brought us meals, uh, took care of us. Um, you know, they were, they would ring the doorbell and run as quick as they could, wisely so. <laughs> um, such a funny time in life. But uh, yeah, just so grateful for the body of Christ, you know, and and uh, it's it's our group, man. They just, they they text us, they set it up, they they just took care of us. So uh, that was, that was my high for sure. Awesome. I'm trying to think of a low. It's been a pretty good week. I think for me, maybe the high is receiving a box of chocolates from New Zealand from my family. That was pretty, that was pretty awesome. New Zealand chocolate is the best. So if anyone, um, I might actually get you guys to sample it so you can verify that that's true. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely a, definitely a high for the week. So I'm trying to, 
trying to get the live, uh, the Facebook thing going on my screen. I'm struggling a little, so it might start talking to me while we're, while we're here. And so, um, all right, so a high for me. Uh, last week, I got to go to the beach for a few days with my family. And man, that was a good time. I taught my kids how to play Texas Hold'em poker. And, oh. uh, it was so fun. They, they were totally geeking out on it, and we had a great time. The house we were staying in didn't have any Wi-Fi, and that was, that was just beautiful. Uh, limited our ability to be on tech, and that was nice. So uh, we had a really fun time. Um, I guess I would kind of struggle to find a low as well. It's been a very, just a really good week. Um, well, probably a low would be uh, my wife is kind of struggling with some pretty bad headaches uh, the beginning part of this week. And so, you know, that's never fun to have that going on. But um, again, in, in perspective, like that's not the worst, that's not the worst low you could ever have. So um, yeah, so that was kind of my week. Uh, but now as we jump into this conversation about accountability, um, I think it's always best for us to um, ground our conversations in scripture. And so, um, Adam, why don't you jump in and help us with uh, a, some scriptural uh, kind of grounding for this conversation about accountability that we're about ready to have. Yes. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is uh, one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to um, accountability relationship. And so I'm just going to read it here real quick in the NIV. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep each other warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Uh, and, you know, it just speaks so deeply to uh, the idea that uh, that that connection that relationship that those uh close tight friends that keep us accountable ultimately um are the ones that hold us and there's this quote from ron hanley who was a former president of christian athletes um for christ and it's accountability will not remove sin or keep sin from us but it helps us become aware of our sin and then helps us focus our attention back on christ and so ultimately like we're still going to mess up. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still fallen world where we don't become perfect. Once we accept Jesus, we still have life that we deal with and struggle with, but ultimately accountability helps point us to Jesus, which ultimately is, is where we find, um, find our strength and our purpose in life. So, yeah, it's kind of funny as we were preparing to, uh, to talk, um, uh, about all this stuff, I actually like was getting ready to like ditch this quote. Um, then the more that I read it, the more I actually liked the quote and the more I began to like, um, kind of more fully understand where he was going with it. But I thought, I thought Roisin, I thought you had some really good thoughts on why, why the quote was particularly meaningful. And I was wondering if you could just, uh, kick in with some of those thoughts that you had. Sure. Yeah. I, I found accountability in my life has really helped save me from some pretty dire situations where I've had people that love me and care about me enough to speak to areas of my life that maybe I'm not ready or strong enough to approach alone. And um, they've helped point me back to Christ. 
I think that's the goal really of accountability. It's not to shame people or not to judge people, but it's actually to help them to align their lives back to Christ. And so uh, I, I'm thinking of, of examples in my life where people have been loving enough, you know, not judging, but not critical, but just loving to say, hey, Rasheen, did you notice this? Or are you aware of this? And it's, I kind of think of an analogy, like if you've got something on the back of your head, I don't know, like a bit of like plant or like, I don't know, like a tree debris or something, especially around this time of fall, you know, leaf kind of could have fallen in there, a spider web could be in there. You don't know because you don't see it from behind, but people behind you can see it. People who are looking out for you can see it and they can say, hey, I don't know if you're aware about this. And even more so as Christians, you know, when we're not aware of the, the things that we're doing, how they're impacting others, it really helps to have people to help point it out and then point us back to Jesus. Absolutely. So good. Um, so uh, <laughs> we, then we were having a funny conversation about the best, um, the best commercials of all time. Um, and of course, I consider that only from an American perspective. And so, um, <laughs> and so we were talking about uh, life alert and, um, and how like that, that commercial, I'm not saying it was necessarily, you know, theatrical genius or cinematic gold, but, um, but actually the phrase from that commercial became a, a huge part of American culture where you can, you can say it and, and now it's so much a part of culture that people don't even know sometimes where it came from. Um, it's, uh, help me, I've fallen and I can't get up. And so, uh, <laughs> so, um, even with your limited exposure to that commercial, um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, Roisin, talk to me a little bit about, uh, how, how there's some, uh, you know, some relatability from that commercial, uh, to even some, you know, a parable Jesus told, or not a parable, I guess, a real life thing that happened with Jesus where people brought people, brought their friend to Jesus. And so why don't you jump in with that for me? Sure. I, I thanks Adam. Adam actually shared the video with me earlier because we didn't in New Zealand for some reason. Uh, we have a similar thing. It's called a medic alert. And it's so true. You know, sometimes when we're alone and we have an accident or an injury and we need help, we got to call on help. And sometimes if no one else is around, it's pretty frightening, especially if we truly can't get up. You know, we actually need someone to help us get up. And I think about that in life. You know, so many of us, we need that alarm button. We need people to respond. We'll be right with you. We're on our way. We've got you. We hear you. We're coming to help. We need that in life in so many areas. And I think of the stretcher bearer analogy, you know, Rick and I have talked about this a number of times, that in Jesus, um, uh, when, when Jesus was out healing people, he was actually meeting, he had a gathering in a house, and um, there was a paralytic man that wasn't able to get inside the house. He was on a stretcher. And so his friends ended up, this is in Luke 5, verses 17 to 26, and they actually ended up climbing up onto the roof taking off tile by tile off the roof, right? And then they were lowering, they actually lowered their friend down to the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus was able to heal him. Now, if he didn't have those four friends in his life to help lower him through the roof, he might not have ever gotten to Jesus to get his healing. And I think that for us today, it's so important that we have those four people or even more in our life that will actually journey with us and say, hey, I see you're struggling in this area, or hey, I see you're injured. I say, I, I hear that you're, you know, you're hurt, and um, and it's just that that care and concern and love for one another that that really 
it, it makes our relationship so so Christ-centered is when we actually care about each other enough to actually help take each other to Jesus. So and that, and that goes both ways, right? Like we find ourselves in times where we have we have the time, the resource, the availability uh, to be able to pick up a corner of someone's stretcher and take them to Jesus. <clears throat> um, it also points to the fact that one person is never enough. So we, you know, we can't just put that burden of um, either us being just one person for someone else or mm -hmm. us only having one person for ourselves. And so that's one of the principles that kind of comes out in observing that real, that real life story that happened with Jesus. Um, and then some of the principles that you can draw out of that for our own lives as we, as we talk more about this topic of accountability in small groups. And then um, I think the other piece of it is anytime, you know, we have plans, you know, to give some practical steps and how to build a culture of accountability. But if somebody doesn't have a firm grasp on why it's even necessary, then I think a lot of people will just skip over it because um, accountability is actually a little bit of a scary word. You know, when you, you're like, oh, hey, you know, uh, one of my friends uh, sent me a text this morning and he was like, hey, uh, you ever thought about, you know, having, you know, it's scary enough to think of having everything you've ever done, like if it was to be shown on a big screen, you know, like what it, he goes, what if it was taken a whole step further and it wasn't just the things you've done, but the things that you think like, um, because probably most of us have pretty good filters going on. Um, hopefully i mean we all have that friend that doesn't have a filter and you're like oh my word right now so uh but but i mean imagine if you came to church on sunday and the big screen you know like poop uh just popped up and all of a sudden it's everything that you thought that week um and then you think wow i have a lot further uh to go in my journey of sanctification than uh than maybe a lot of people even thought and, and so that can be the kind of fearful scenarios that we, that we drum up in our mind when we hear the word accountability. Um, and so, but when in reality, when you have proper accountability in your life, it actually is something that brings great freedom. Um, and, and I would actually use the, uh, the whole topic of, of pornography would be a great example. Um, I think it used to be, you could say, for men, but in today's world, statistics are so high, both men and women, um, that it's no longer just, a, you know, just referring to the men in the crowd. So actually talking to everybody, um, I remember the day that I, I went and got um, some accountability software on my computer, and I had a couple of friends that I appointed as my accountability partners um, to where everything that I look at on my computer then, you know, there's a weekly report that gets sent to people. <clears throat> and, and on one hand, you think, oh, one, oh, I don't know if I really need that. You know, like you have that, like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing good. And then the other piece would be like, well, shoot, you know, if I, if I screwed up, I don't know that I want other people to know about it. Like that, that doesn't sound like a fun journey. Um, but what I found is I wasn't even in a place where I was having a current struggle uh, with the issue but I found a, a weight that was on me that I honestly didn't even realize the weight was on me. 
um, I felt the weight lift off when I when I surrendered or submitted myself to the accountability because now I was like, anytime a little temptation would creep in, it was like, get away from me, you stupid, you stupid temptation. Like, you are certainly not worth it, you know, like, and so there was this shift that happened in my spirit because I submitted myself to accountability. And I was like, wow, that's a powerful, powerful thing that I just accidentally uncovered in this process is I didn't expect, I knew certain values of accountability that happened, but I did not expect that freedom that came from like the, so much, so many of the degrees of temptation just got wiped off the board in one moment because it was like, Oh, get away from me. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not going to mess with that because I know, I know what it will cost me. So speaking of cost, Adam, we've got a few uh, quotes that I think kind of speak to some of the cost of, of sin. And so I was wondering if you could just uh, maybe read one of those and then maybe Roisin could pick one up too. Yeah. I, I really like the one by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, uh, which kind of ties into what you're saying about that weight being lifted off is the quote says sin demands to have a man by himself or a woman by herself. It withdraws her or him from the community the more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him or over her. Uh, and so, yeah, the idea that like when we are dealing with something, isolation is our worst enemy. And so like, it's not the time to figure out uh, community when we're in being attacked. Like you say, Rick, it's better to, it's time to get in before when you're doing good, because it's not a question of if you'll be attacked or if you'll struggle in life. It's, it's just a matter of when, I mean, we all go through journeys of life. We all go through dark seasons and it's in times when we're getting beat up that it's so easy just to want to throw the towel in and get into this depressed, isolated state. And that's, Honestly, that's where the devil wants to get us, and he's pretty good at doing that if if we're not intentionally, you know, surrounding ourselves with good, godly, accountable uh, relationships. So good. What do you What do you got, Roisin? Um, so I've got, um, it doesn't actually have an author, but it says, uh, this is the quote here, sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. It's so true. Sin is deceiving. You know, it kind of gives this alluring effect that it's worth it. And then you realize it was never worth it. And just along with what Adam was sharing, there's something freeing about not having anything hidden, you know, hidden in the dark. You know, you've got everything out there. I was sharing with a couple last night about the importance of this very thing, accountability in our lives as, as disciples. And I said to them, to be honest, I, I'm not hiding anything from you guys. You guys pretty much know everything that I, that I, um, that I'm going through because I'm a very open person. And they actually said, yeah, we really appreciate that about you. And I thought that's great, you know, because I think people do appreciate when we are vulnerable and transparent. I think, you know, about us three, you know, Rick, Adam and I, um, we meet up every week and we're, we're transparent, we're accountable and we're supporting one another um, as staff pastors. Um, and I've, I've certainly found it super helpful um, relationally and professionally to have people walking alongside. Would you agree, Rick? Oh. 
He's muted. I know. It's the I got bit by the mute button. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it's so important, you know, to to find those people. And again, I, I think, you know, we can have conversations about mentoring and people that are kind of coaching you. They're, they're ahead of you in the journey. And th those are important relationships to have. Absolutely. And definitely would be part of probably what we would prescribe to people for like the healthiest of life that you could li live. But today, really, as we talk about the small group environment, we're really talking about those peer, those peer level people. And it really is, uh, it has to be kind of going back to um, the, the quote that, um, that Adam read, accountability will not remove sin or keep you from sin, but it helps you become aware of your sin and helps you focus your attention back on Christ. Um, that, that's really the thing is, and that's actually what helps groups um, maintain healthy accountability is when we keep the attention directed towards Christ, that we we have the same attitude towards Christ, uh, towards sin that Christ has, and that we have the same attitude towards the people in our group that Christ has. And um, that really helps keep it from being, we talked about, you know, how you can watch all these fail videos on YouTube of people where they actually will spend an hour just watching people, you know, smash their face into concrete walls and stuff like that because they have accidents while they're trying to do cool stunts. And so there's this weird thing in human beings where we kind of sort of like, whoa, oh, oh, but I, I can't look away. Like, oh, re replay that again. I have to, whoa, oh. And, and if we're not careful, that kind of, and it's really a fairly toxic environment that can be established then in a group is it becomes almost a gawking or a uh, almost a fascination with how much a person can struggle. And that's the wrong way for us uh, to, to approach. And I think that happens when we become too focused on external um, behavioral modification as our method of accountability. And really, the, the way we can probably be the most helpful to other people is to keep them accountable towards the positives rather than so much towards the negative. It's, you know, uh, one, one strategy in football, it's American football, Roisin. So you'll have to, <laughs> but, um, it's, I don't know the other rules. Okay. I can't, I can't make references to the other, to the rugby and the Australian rules football. I just don't know. But one of the strategies in football is if you have a good running game, the clock just runs and runs and runs. So if you pick up three, four yards of a down, then you're unstoppable because, and guess what? The, then the opposing team has very little time to do anything against you because it's a stat called time of possession. If you have the ball three quarters of the game, then they only have one quarter to try to score as many points as you've been able to put on the board. And so sometimes the best defense is not to offend. No, I'm just kidding. That the best defense is to have a good offense. And so if we're, if we're so actively focused on pursuing a, a deep personal intimate relationship with Christ, it gives very little time for the enemy to have the ball in his hands and to work against us and for us to then have to play defense. And so, Sometimes I think we get a little too focused on defense when, um, when, when the Bible says in Christ, we are more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors. And that's the mentality. We shouldn't have a 
a, uh, a surviving mentality. We should have a thriving and kicking the devil's butt kind of mentality in this journey. And when we keep that kind of a mentality in our accountability um, group and culture, then I think we establish something super healthy. If we get too defense-minded, then I think it can get real, ugh, real fast. And so just lastly, the goal of accountability is devotion, not duty. Because when we develop a deep relationship with Jesus, he transforms our heart, which makes us think different, which makes us act different. And if we try to do it in reverse, we try to act different and then maybe try to think different and then maybe have our heart changed in the process. I'm not saying Jesus can't do that because Jesus is pretty amazing, uh, but it's not the typical route that he would want to go. And so um, with that, um, I think it's probably good if we just try to give a couple of practical steps, um, unless you had some corrections or comments you wanted to make on what I just said. Um, so I grabbed the microphone and I just didn't let go of it. Once I unmuted myself, it was all over. So um, is uh, Adam, did you have a practical step that you want to give to to small group leaders? Or, you know, I mean, obviously we want to talk to not just small group leaders, but uh, small group leaders would definitely be our focus. So uh, practical steps, go. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one correction point, actually not a correction, just a reinforcement. In in football around the world, too, time of possession would be very important in winning games. So so it does translate between American football and football. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Excellent point. Excellent point. <laughs> um, I think uh, a great takeaway would be, first of all, to set expectation within your group. Um, you know, sometimes if we don't if we're not upfront with people just saying like, you know, we're followers of Jesus and our desire is to grow deeper. Like it becomes kind of awkward then to, to bring it up after the fact, you know? So um, whenever I'm either starting a new group or beginning to meet with a new group of people, I, I just tell people like, Hey, like part of our goal here is ultimately to grow deeper. And that, that requires us actually being accountable to each other. Cause I'm called to something, you're called to something, and we're going to walk this journey together, and we're just going to help each other fulfill each, the call of God on each other's lives. Like, And in doing so, like we got to help each other. And so um, that's kind of been my MO, is just making sure that we really have some, some uh, good expectations set as we're going into the group. That's so good. All right, Roisin, what do you got? Um, so for me, it's see their strategic meeting time. So um, beginning of the meeting is always a good place to start. I think it's really healthy just having that when you start your group of actually being able to say, hey, high and low for the week, but also to ask specific questions. So it's it's really about journeying with people through their life. And, and we do need to be specific. We need to ask people not just how you're doing, because often the, the response might be good, fine all right you know but asking more specific questions like what's a challenge that you've gone through this past week or what's something that um right now maybe you've been praying about that you haven't seen yet fulfilled and so i I think and and if it's if your group is centered around a particular area maybe it's freedom maybe it's um authentic manhood we've got a couple of groups at our campus you know having some specific questions to ask is a really good idea and then prayer and encouragement in that moment so instead of letting the, the group run and then praying at the end, actually praying at that moment for that particular thing that's been brought up. 
and then follow up during the week, you know, text, text your group um, members and see how they're doing, you know, ask them how the surgery went, ask them how, you know, um, how the challenge has been and have they felt like they've been able to overcome the challenge. And I think for us, you know, as staff pastors, you know, we also, we model, we need to model it as well. And, and I try and as much as possible, be vulnerable and um, with my group and just say, hey guys, this has been a tough week and this is why, um, maybe this is something I need prayer for. And I'm, I'm already showing them that I'm okay to go there. I'm okay to talk about these things. And so that my group know that it's okay for them to go there. So I, I think it's super important. And when I'm going through issues in my life, you know, um, I, I let the people know my stretcher bearers to pray for me and to come alongside me. I know not to journey alone. So that's so good. Um, so we have set the expectation and, um, and just like you were saying how we are vulnerable, we are open. That's like the first part of setting the expectation is that um, us as the leader, whoever the small group leader is, if they take the first step to be open and vulnerable, which is a scary place to be, we all like totally. But what I think you'll find is people will go, what? Yes. <sighs> They'll rush in and say, oh man, I've been looking for somebody that would be real with me. Like, thank you. I mean, that has been my experience time and time and time again. You know, I, I walk into a small group meeting that I'm leading and I'm just, man, I'm just not feeling it, you know? And I'm like, instead of like putting on the shiny face and being like, oh yeah, everything's awesome. Like, you know what, man, <laughs> I woke up this morning or whatever and I, man, I didn't really want to come. Like I, I struggled, I struggled to get here. And they're like, dude, wow, dude, me too, you know? But, but I'm like, but you know what? I always, I'm always thankful that I came. Um, because something always, something significant always happens as I'm here together with my group. And, and I've heard time and time again, people come and thank me. Like, you, I mean, you almost feel like you're a failure because you're just like, I don't know. I, I went and I kind of just complained a little bit about my situation. Um, but then they're like, but you know, as much as I can, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm trying to turn my eyes on Jesus. You know, like, I know. I know that that's the right thing to do, but I'm struggling to do it right now. And, and then people come alongside you and encourage you and they give you insight. And then a lot of times I'm just sharing what the Holy Spirit has worked in my heart through that struggle. I'm like, man, I was really struggling to get here this morning, but the Holy Spirit really just like prompted me that, man, I really you know, I need to get my lazy tail out of bed. I need to get here, whatever. And, and it, it almost gives you an opportunity to speak into someone's life um in a deeper more direct way because as they hear you saying the words about what you've done and what the holy spirit has prompted you to do they're like oh i i think maybe the holy spirit is saying the same thing to me right now and so i've seen god do some really powerful things just through me being willing to share my struggle as as weird as that seems it seems like counterintuitive like the goal of being a small group leader is not to be the holiest person in the room, uh, but to be the person that is just constantly pointing people towards Jesus. Like we talked about, like that's the goal of accountability is that our focus would be always reoriented towards Jesus. And so, and then I think as we bring it all together and uh, we set the expectation and we set a strategic time in our group meeting to have accountability built into the fabric of the group, then is to recognize that one of the fears that might keep you from doing those two practical steps 
is the fear that you'll encounter something that is beyond your expertise, your ability to handle. You know, we talk a lot about common care uh, counseling issues and then what you might call like a crisis counseling issue. And whenever you get outside of that common care counseling and you step into that crisis arena, it can get pretty intimidating and pretty overwhelming pretty fast because, um, like we said, sin will always take you further than you want you want to go, charge you more than you want to pay, uh, all that kind of stuff. That happens in people's lives, and then they drag themselves into a small group, and they go, this is where I'm at. And, and as a small group leader, you can immediately just feel completely overwhelmed in that moment. Um, and I think it's to just recognize, uh, as a small group leader, the expectation is not that you have all of the answers, but we, we don't always need to know the answer. We need to know how to point people to Jesus because he's always the answer. Uh, but also the fact that there are people that have skills, talents, and abilities that we don't have. And it's okay to help direct people, to connect people to other resources, whether that is to your small group coach or ministry leader, or staff pastor, or to even a professional counseling uh, type of referral situation. And so um, I think that, that, you know, to just kind of help remove that weight, that pressure that small group leaders might feel to like, hey, you don't have to be the answer to all of the problems. Um, and so, uh, yeah, awesome. Well, set the expectation, set a strategic time, and then don't be, don't be afraid to refer out, you know, like, refer to people above you in the uh, group structure or into professional uh, help as well. Um, so, all right, wrapping it all up, uh, Adam and Roisin, we'll go Roisin first, you know, ladies first. Uh, you get one final shot today. If you have one final comment to say, uh, what would you want to kind of deposit into this conversation? I think in summary, really, that we're not called to do life alone. And groups make it possible where we can have healthy, accountable relationships. You know, groups are just not to have fellowship solely, but actually to do life with people, which involves kind of going beyond that superficial layer and actually getting down to the core of who people are and the issues that we all struggled with, or that we all struggle with, and pointing them to Jesus. So um, we're not called to do life alone. Yeah. So good. I would just add that, Yes, be vulnerable in your group and don't be don't be scared of sin and mistakes that you have in your past because honestly it's those things and those those dark times of your life that the grace of God actually came through and that's what people need to see is that grace is sufficient for them because it was sufficient for the group leader in uh, in their life as well and so um, yeah be vulnerable and don't shy away from what God, your testimony of what God has done in your life. Yeah, that's good. That is so good. I don't think I will add anything because I've probably exceeded the number of allowable words uh, for me. And so, um, man, again, uh, guys, thank you so much for taking time uh, to to speak on this important topic. It's just such a critical culture that needs to be established in small groups all around um, to take things from a superficial, surfacey level to actually go deep and help people identify and take their next step in their relationship with Jesus so that we have that true element of discipleship happening at all times in our small groups. And it really is done in, in the nitty gritty, the little bitty, the step-by-step -step kind of process. It's not done in, you know, big class session or, or any of that kind of stuff. It's done in the day-to-day -day, life on life with one another. And so, 
Awesome. Thank you, guys. You are awesome. And to our Facebook crew, uh, thanks for joining us today. God bless you guys, and we will talk to you later.